Amen. I welcome you to the last in our series, The Cross Heals. It's been a powerful series to see what God has done in the lives of people here within our church. There's been some powerful ways that God is currently healing things that have been broken and in dis-ease. Amen. You know, one of the one of the things that happens when there is illness in our physical body is that we lose appetite. And the same thing is true whenever there is some kind of spiritual dis-ease. When there's some kind of mental, emotional, even behavioral dis-ease, one of the things that goes away quickly is spiritual appetite. But one of the clearest manifestations that God is healing is when appetite for the things of God begin to return. Amen? It's true. So I love hearing the stories of people say, you know, one of the things that God has done here just recently for me is that he is restoring in me a greater desire to read his word, to pray, to be in church, to seek the Lord, and to change my life for his glory. Amen? It's beautiful. It's powerful. That is God healing where there has been dis-ease. So I'm grateful for that. I'm also grateful that God has been faithful over the years, which I want to say again, we are now celebrating seven years together as Vertical Church. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, amen. Yeah, last weekend was actually our seven-year anniversary of things. Uh, just amazing what God has done over time. And he's been faithful with all of the series to work in our hearts and prepare us for what's next. So as you heard Roseanne mention earlier, our next series is called Pursuit because Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. And here's what happens. When he is in you, he puts in you to seek and see him redeem what has been lost. That may be people in your life. That may be areas in your life. That may be things that you have thought have been permanently broken and lost. God puts in us as his children a desire to pursue restoration and peace and reconciliation and all things lost. We're gonna begin that journey next Sunday. I can't wait for what God's gonna do in us because he has given the church the mission to seek those things which are lost by his spirit. Amen? Amen. So I'm excited for that coming up. Today though, we finished our series with a, with a look at a powerful passage of scripture as though there are some unpowerful uh, you know, passages of scripture. There's not, they're all powerful. But today, one that just fits beautifully with where we are in our series, what God is, has to say to us. We're gonna look at how do we know some specific areas God is healing in our life? And then how do we actually experience that healing? What are we to do? And we're gonna... We're gonna to see today one of the greatest things that God wants to do when he heals us. He doesn't just heal us for our initial temporary benefit. There is always a bigger purpose and we're gonna see that today in scripture. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus chapter 15. Our message today is called, There's Healing in the Water. Exodus 15, verse 22 is where we'll begin here in just a moment. Let me give a little bit of the setting. So here in Exodus 15, the children of, 
the children of God have just come out of Egypt. They had been slaves there. They lived a life in misery, slavery, under all of the gods and the religion and the false religion and this very painful, difficult life there in Egypt. And God delivered them out through Moses. God sent Moses in. He set his people free. They began their journey away from Egypt toward the promised land. He brought them to the edge of the Red Sea where they had to look forward at an impossibility and had to look back at another impossibility that was pursuing them. And God told them to not stand still, but to move forward. And they did, and they walked, and God parted the sea. They walked through on dry land, got to the other side, was able to see their enemies swallowed up in the sea behind them, and they walked on in deliverance. Amen? Whew, that's enough right there. Get us going. But this story takes place just after that. So they've just experienced this powerful deliverance. They've experienced this miraculous thing where God has delivered them from their past, from their oppression, from all the false gods, from all the crazy, uh, heavy slavery they lived under. And this is where our story begins in verse 22. It says, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, that's difficult for us to imagine here. We've got water everywhere. We have plenty of water. But to go three days without water would be difficult. Just to add to the reality of the, the scenario here, this is not 20 people walking through the wilderness. This is not 200 people. This is not 2,000 people. This is 1.6 million people, a nation moving, leaving the Red Sea on their way to the promised land. 1.6 million people. That's dads, moms, children, older people, very, very young people, and their animals. And when you have that many people and that many animals, you need some water. You need water to drink. You need water to cook. You need water for your children. You need water to bathe. You need water for your animals. And it's three days and they have found no water. It's a difficult spot to be in. But God saw them in their need. There's never a time in your life that you've come upon a moment where you think, I don't know what to do next that God doesn't already have an answer for, amen? And God sees them here in this moment even when they can't find any water. It goes on in verse 23 and it says, now <clears throat> when they came to Mara, they could not drink the waters of Mara, for they were bitter, therefore the name of it was called Mara. Do we get an idea of what the name of the place is? It's mentioned for us three times here in this setting because they are on their journey and they come to a place out in the desert. It's a very difficult place. It's a very dry place. And they come to a section where there is no water. It's a wilderness region. It's difficult. There hasn't been any water for three days. And then finally, they come upon an area that has 
water. How awesome, how amazing. We have finally come to a place that seems to be our answer. It has some water. It's awesome, right? Problem is, this water is bitter and you cannot drink it. They came upon something that they thought was satisfying. They came upon something they thought, this will be great. This is what we've needed. We have been in need of water. This is water. This looks like what we need. But as they come upon it and they began to drink it, they realize, wait a minute, this water is bitter. Not just that it tastes funky, but this water is poison. This water is undrinkable. This water, if you drink it, will only bring about more dis-ease. Hmm, interesting. Looked good, seemed to be the right thing, but this water has a problem. This water is bitter and this water is undrinkable. There are times we come upon moments in life and we come upon something and we think, this ought to be great. This is what I need. But if you come upon something that does not have God's blessing, it will be bitter. I don't care what the situation is. You walk through a trial and you don't seek God in it, it'll become painful, exponential. Because God has a purpose in trials, but if you don't turn to God in your trial, that trial will make you bitter. You go through loss and tragedy in your life, it's painful enough, it's difficult enough, but you go through it without seeking God, without pursuing his will, without seeking his word, without seeking his blessing, it will take a difficult time and make it more exponentially difficult. You go through relationship issues, you, walk, you try to walk through marriage without seeking God's will, without pursuing God, without conforming your will and surrendering yourself to walk in God's ways, your relationships or your marriage will be bitter. You'll be frustrated, you'll be angry, you'll be resentful, you'll be hurt, you'll turn against one another and it will only become more bitter because without God's blessing, life becomes bitter. Amen? Anybody walk down that path, tried to drink some of that stuff before? You're thinking. Your whole thought process, your mental abilities, your psychology. If you're not honoring God, seeking God, conforming your mind to God's ways, you will have a bitter mind. You will have a poisoned mind. Your whole thought processes, your emotions, every bit of what makes up your soul, your mind, will, and emotions will all be in dis-ease because you're not seeking God in those areas. It will bring you to a place of poison and bitter. Guilt, anxiety, depression, resentment, hatred, jealousy, obsessions, addictions, wrong priorities, insecurities, you name it, they are all evidence of life without Christ that ends up in a place where you're bitter. And you come upon bitter 
waters. And that's where our story takes us. They've come upon some bitter waters. It's interesting to me that three times in this one verse, it reminded us that this place is called Mara. It's the word that actually means bitter. It means that someone had come to this water before, before them. Someone had tasted this water before them. Someone had tried to drink it. Someone had tried to go down this path and it ended up being a bitter place for them. And so they called it Mara. This water is Mara. It's bitter. Don't drink it. We know this place as Mara. Everybody called it Mara. I don't care if you came and you thought it would be different and you thought you could drink out of it and you thought it would be okay, it's still Mara. Everybody named it Mara because they hadn't seen anything change about this place. It was definitely named Mara. But just because someone names something bitter, just because someone names something hopeless, just because someone names something impossible does not mean God can't change what's Mara and make it a blessing. Amen? So be careful what you call the areas of your life. Be careful what you name them. Be careful what you let others name them. Be careful what you think about them. For if you keep thinking, this is bitter, this is impossible, this is terrible, this is tragic, this is always gonna be this way, I'm never gonna see this change. Be careful, because what you call something is what it ends up staying. And the people of God arrived at this place, they heard it was called Mara, they called it Mara, and they left it at that. Mara, it is. The waters I've come to are just difficult, painful, bitter, miserable. But I want us to remember something today. God can heal what seems impossible. Amen. Just because someone told you this is what it was, just because you've believed this is what it was, just because all of the circumstances currently surrounding you tell you this is what it is, just because your emotions tell you this is what it is, just because your own thought processes about it tell you this is what it is, don't cast out God's opinion of what it is because he can change what we have called bitter. He can take that marriage. He can take that relationship. He can take that situation. He can take what's going on in your mind. He can take what's going on in your emotions. He can take whatever dis-ease you're in and he can change it completely. Amen? The story goes on and it says, that the people of God thought this way about it. They actually accepted the fact that it was Mara, that it really wasn't going to change, that this is just the way it's going to be. It's just gonna be bitter. It's just gonna be painful. It's just gonna be difficult, even though God was about to do 
something different. God was about to do something fresh. They believed it. Now, don't laugh or think I'm crazy if I'm about to draw. You'll say, what kind of tree is that? What in the world? I thought you had an art degree, right? I do, by the way. This passage is about to tell us that there were palm trees in this region. Did you know that? They didn't have big live oak trees. They didn't have pecan trees like we think of here in Texas. They had palm trees. And they come upon this situation and the people of God, even though they have just been delivered from Egypt, just been escorted out of slavery, just had God do something miraculous at the Red Sea, they still don't believe. And here's what they say. The people complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? It's in the Hebrew, they whine like that. No. I'm sure there's a little bit of whining, I'm sure there's a little bit of complaining, like, what is going on, Moses? What's up? What are you, what have you done? What are we supposed to drink? Instantly, they are filled with complaint. You know, that's what happens when you forget that God can change what you have heard was impossible. You start complaining. You start complaining about the way things are. You start complaining about your circumstances. You start complaining about what was going on around you because you are convinced that's the way it's always gonna be. And when you have small faith and big understanding in yourself, you'll be a complainer. When you think you've gotta figure it out and it's all about you and life is uncomfortable and you're not trusting God, you'll be the complainer. And they complained. It's interesting that they didn't complain or cry out to God. They complained against Moses. They took off after him. God is the one who delivered them. You'd think in this moment they would have cried out to God. That would have been the better story here in this moment. But they complained to Moses. Moses is the visible guy in front of them. Moses is the guy that, that had escorted them out of Egypt. And Moses is the guy that, boy, it just feels good to put our sights on that guy and put our blame and put our complaint on him. Moses was a man who had walked with God and he knew what to do in this moment because even though they had come to some waters that were poisonous, even though they had come to this moment where the waters were not fit to drink, where they were bitter, where they were not the kind of thing you'd wanna to give to your children, even your pets, they were bitter, bitter, water. And they complained to Moses. But the Bible says that Moses did something different. In the next verse, it tells us that he cried out to the Lord. Way to go, Moses. That's what you do. That's what you do when you come upon some water in your life and you can't get nourishment from it. That's what you do when life becomes difficult. That's what you do when you don't have the answer for what's next. You cry out to 
God. You know, God will sometimes bring us to some water that doesn't satisfy so that we'll trust him in that moment. Amen? This is what we know as people of God. This is what we believe and this is what we do. Your moment where you've come upon where all of a sudden the supply has seemed to have ended, has not caught God off guard. He knows. In fact, he arranged it. He brought you because he's about to teach you something. He's about to show you something brand new, but you're gonna have to be like Moses and cry out to the Lord. Now, here's what's weird about this story. Moses cries out to the Lord and it says, and the Lord showed him a tree. What? What is, what is this? God, would you help us? We don't know what to do. We're thirsty. We know you've delivered us. We know you'll provide. Lord, we need some water. Amen. What? A tree? I can't drink a tree, God. What? Fascinating. That God shows Moses a tree. Really? Have you ever prayed and asked God for an answer and he tells you something that you say, what in the world does that mean? What does that have to do with that? I'm asking for water and you show me a tree. Hello, did I not say water clearly? Did I somehow say tree in Hebrew or something? What happened? God shows you something different than what you were even asking for. And this happens to Moses. God shows Moses a tree. And this tree is different. This tree is unique. This tree is something Moses had not thought about. And I'm sure at first Moses must have thought, what in the world does a tree have to do with water? You know, sometimes in life, we come upon need we cry out to God and he comes back to us and says, you remember that relationship some years back and there was resentment and brokenness and bitterness in that relationship and God points that out to you and you say, God, I'm not talking about relationships right now. I'm talking about I need some money for my job. I, I just, I, I had to take a pay cut. I don't know what to do and God says, relationship, and you say job, and you say relationship, he says job, you know, back and forth like this. Or sometimes you say, God, I'm really struggling right now. I'm just, I can't get my mind to be at peace, God. And he says, spouse, you say, God, I'm, 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 I'm on my, my mind. I really need some help with my mind, clarifying some things here, spouse. What, God, I'm saying, I need some help in my mind and my thoughts. I'm really confused, I'm really disoriented, spouse. What, God, what are you doing? Why do you keep pointing to something different than what I'm asking for? Because God knows where the healing needs to occur. And don't ever reject what he says because it doesn't make sense to you. 
Moses said water, God said tree. And sometimes, even in our life, we cry out to God for some physical, tangible need. I need money, I need this resource, I need this situation cleared up. And God says, your heart. He said, no God, I'm talking about my job. I'm talking about, you know, I've got this other relationship that's really caused me some tension right now. And I, I really got these bills stacking up. And God says, heart. Isn't it funny how we wanna dismiss faith from the realities of life? And say, God, that doesn't have anything to do with that. That's almost like water and tree. They don't mix, God, what in the world? What does my faith and my heart have to do with all of that? And he says, everything. Everything. It's funny how you and I and this culture today likes to live. And I say culture, I'm talking about Christian culture in our day. Christians today like to keep their faith in a neat package that they unwrap on Sunday mornings, box back up about 12.30 on Sunday and put it on the shelf and then walk off into life. And they wanna live in this life having nothing to do with what God says. I'll go do my thing, my way, my interests, my wants, my needs, and God says, heart, I'm calling you again. Don't be coming in my house, God says, on a Sunday morning begging me for help when on Sunday afternoon you're gonna walk away from me and leave. If you wanna see healing happen in your life, you're gonna have to put him as Lord of everything in your life, not just in a neat little package that happens on a Sunday afternoon or a Sunday morning. Amen? Moses said water, God said tree. I have an answer for you, Moses. It's in a tree. Now Moses has walked with God and Moses understands. Moses understands what this has to do with that. And here's what the Bible says that Moses did next. It says, when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Fascinating. Moses says water, God says tree. God, Moses takes the tree, throws it into the water and the water changes. The water is no longer bitter, poisonous and with dis-ease in it, that water is healed. The water becomes sweet and you say, I don't get it. How can that happen? I've done a lot of reading this week. You're welcome to go chase this down on Google and the internet and books. There's a lot of stuff out there about how could this chemically happen? How could this actually occur? Is there a tree you can put into some water that will actually heal it? And you'll find some interesting stories out there. There's a lot of fascinating things, but look here, don't get hung up in the science about this deal because what was more important than the science of it was the thing that God was wanting to do in Moses and the people's heart. That has everything to do with that. And so God points him to a tree and he throws it into the water and the water becomes sweet. What was poisonous, what was tasteless, what was bitter, all of a sudden becomes drinkable and not just drinkable, but it's sweet. It's like, hey, give me some of that water out there. That stuff's good. It makes me feel great. I've got more energy. I need some of that water. That's awesome. 
I love the fact that it uses a tree, that God did this intentionally. Because the Old Testament is filled with so many beautiful, powerful pictures of what God would do in the New Testament. If you're ever looking for a commentary on the New Testament, I've got a great book to recommend for you. The Old Testament. <laughs> Here you go. God's thorough, God's complete. You wanna understand the new? Look back in the old. Because listen to this. Listen to this verse from 1 Peter 2, 24. New Testament. Referring to Jesus. He bore our sins in his own body on the tree. It doesn't say cross. It says tree. That we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Woo! Jesus says, I have come that you might be healed. And by my sufferings, by the tree, by the cross, he took our guilt, our condemnation, our rejection, our isolation. He took all that separated us from God. He took the bitter waters, the poison, the dis-ease into himself. And he says, now, whoever will put me into the middle of their waters. Whoever will bring the cross and the tree right up in the middle of their waters and toss it right into what you think is impossible, that you think is Mara, that you think is bitter, if you'll put the cross of Jesus into the middle of that, he can heal them. Amen, amen. amen. Yeah, so we just gotta draw a cross right up here in the middle of this water. Because that is what Moses put in to the water was a tree. And Jesus was crucified on a tree. Jesus bore our sins on a tree so that you and I, as First Peter said, might live for righteousness. Which means that I might have a desire to live righteously. When I know that on the cross, he took my sin, he took my shame, then all of a sudden it ignites in me an appetite to want to do right. Hello? An appetite to do right. That's what faith in Jesus gives to us. And Jesus comes to heal what's broken, what's bitter, what's poisoned within us. And it begins a ripple process in our life of that cross providing greater, expanded healing into our life. And it goes further and further and it begins healing our mind. It begins healing our thoughts. It begins healing our emotions. It begins healing relationship. It begins healing broken marriages. It begins healing broken lives, amen? This is what the cross of Jesus does. Where there's been guilt and anxiety and depression and hopelessness, the cross heals. Now, the story doesn't end there and God has a purpose in all of this. God says, I'm gonna teach you something in this moment. Look what happens next in the passage. It says there, he made a statute and an ordinance for them and there he tested them. 
You see, God healed these waters for a purpose. He had something bigger he was doing in their life. He said, now, now that I've done this, I'm gonna make a command, a statute. I'm gonna make an ordinance and I'm gonna test you in this. I'm gonna give you now something to live by. And here's what he says. He said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, pause. God says, if you, now that you've seen this, now that you know this, if you will walk in my ways, if you will do what I say, because God has a way for us to walk, amen? He has a way that we're called to live. He has a way that marriage is designed to work. He has a way that raising children is supposed to be operated by. He has a way for families to function. He has a way for us to conduct our business. He has a way for us to relate to one another. He has a way for us to see our circumstances and to see our trials. And he calls us all to walk in that way, amen? That's why here at Vertical, we are passionate to teach a vertical way of living. We're not just here for some Sunday morning treat. This is not just some religious thing we're doing. This is part of a much bigger vision for people to walk in God's ways, amen? He calls us to that. That's why we build relationships. That's why we're teaching children this morning. That's why we'll teach young people tonight. That's why we gather during the week to say, God, what do you have to say about life? We wanna walk in it. And we wanna adjust our ways to your ways. We're not just trying to get your stamp of approval on our ways. We're trying to walk in your ways. Amen? That's what he calls them to. And he says, if you will do all of this, God says to his people, if you will walk in my ways, if you'll diligently heed the voice of the Lord, if you'll seek him, if you'll pursue him, if you'll make it your passion, if you'll start your day with it and fill your day with it and fill your night with it and wrap your ways around it and adjust your life to it, here's what he says would happen next. He says, if you'll do this, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. Wow, God makes a promise to his people. He says, if you'll diligently seek me, if you'll walk in my ways, if you'll do what I have patterned and declared and decreed, then here's my promise to you. He says, I won't put on you the dis-ease that I put on the Egyptians. What kind of dis-ease did God put on the Egyptians? Now, if you're new here today, you might think, are you stuttering? Why are you saying dis-ease? It's one word, stop it. I'm doing that on purpose because the word dis-ease, watch this, means dis-ease. Dun, 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 dun. Amazing, huh? Against ease, without peace, without health, without life, dis-ease, right? So God says, if you'll walk in my ways, I won't put on you the dis-ease that I put on the Egyptians. What did he put on the Egyptians? 
Well, if you remember, the Egyptians did not serve the one true God. They pursued lots of other gods. They worshiped frogs. They worshiped weird stuff. They did all kind of weird stuff, pagan stuff. So guess what kind of dis-ease they lived in? They lived in fear, anxiety, all the time, not knowing if their gods even accepted them and their weird worship that they brought to them. They lived in rejection, condemnation, guilt, hatred. That was all dis-ease. And God says, if you'll walk in my ways, I won't do that to you. I will so heal your heart that you won't have to wonder if I'm with you, if I'm for you, if I love you, if I'm working in your life, if I'm present, if I'm leading you, if I'm providing for you, you won't have to have the dis-ease of anxiety and fear and depression and hatred and anger and bitterness toward other people because I am the Lord your God, amen? And God says, this is my promise to you. I won't put on you all those same dis-eases. As great as all this is, there's still one more thing that God wants to do. Let me write one other point of prayer that I hadn't, hadn't written yet. The cross heals what it touches. When that tree hit that water, made sweet. When we allow the cross of Jesus to hit the waters of our life, he'll make them sweet. Amen? Let's finish this up here. He says, I I'll put on you none of the diseases. And then here, here really, as great as all this is, here's the biggest point coming. For I am the Lord who heals you. This is the first occurrence in the Bible of the name of God, Jehovah Rapha. This is the first occasion. And God brought them to this water that was bitter, where they would complain. Moses would seek the face of God. God would give him a, a tree, even when he said water, and he would heal the water and they would be changed. The water would be made sweet. All of this so that they would know the Lord is the one who heals. It may look to you like an impossibility in your life today. You might think, I don't see how in the world God could change my husband, wife, child, mother, father, cousin, neighbor, friend, circumstances, job, money situation, problems, circumstances, events. You might think they're all stuck and impossible and Mara, but the Lord says, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals. Amen. Amen. And God gave them this powerful lesson so they might never forget. I'm sure anytime they heard Jehovah Rapha, they saw a tree go into some waters and that water was made sweet. They never, ever forgot that. 
My prayer through this whole series has been that you and I would experience something fresh with the Lord. They had never heard the term Jehovah Rapha before in their story. Maybe in these last eight weeks, maybe there's some truth that God has showed you that you never had put together before with what's happening in your life. And now the Lord says to you, I don't want you to ever be the same again because you've come in contact with me and I am Jehovah Rapha. I heal, seek me, walk in my ways and you too can be healed. You know, it's funny how much emphasis you and I put on physical healing today. I'm sure throughout this whole series, you thought every time I said healing, you thought physical. God can do that. There's some stuff that's far greater that God wants to heal than just physical maladies. This physical body will one day die unless the Lord returns first. And I'll get a new body. But the spirit I've got today in me is the same spirit I'll have with me for eternity. And I want that to be healed completely. I want my mind, my emotions, my behavior to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's the stuff that God's healing. That's the stuff that's more important. You read through scripture, it's clear there are some times that God will allow a physical malady to exist so that a spiritual truth can be learned. It's true. Paul and his thorn in the flesh, whatever that was, he kept the thorn, but he learned some grace. Sometimes God will bring you to a place where you learn something new about him and you get healed of some places inside you that are far greater than all the other physical elements. Now, I will say this. Often, when that peace inside you is healed, it begins to ripple on out. The water begins to ripple and it begins to heal your mind, your emotions, your behavior, your relationships, and sometimes even your body. Because you chose to walk in God's ways. Let's finish it. Well, let me write one more thing. God reveals more when we allow him to heal more. You want to see more of who God is? Let him heal that water that you've come to. Let's finish up. It says in verse 27, then they came to Elam, Elim, where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. It's beautiful. God says, I healed this water, but you know what? I've got some more water for you. We're gonna leave Mara you'll no longer call Mara. You'll call it healed. And we're going to move on. And he took them to a new place, 1.6 million people. And there, when they got there, there were 12 wells, 12 powerful sources to provide everything that they needed. 
Do you know how many tribes there were in Israel? Twelve. For every tribe, God had the supply. Twelve wells and 70 palm trees. 70 palm trees. Do you know how many elders there were in Israel? 70. God provided all they needed in water and all they needed in rest. And it was thoroughly complete. 12 wells, 70 palm trees. If you'll walk in my ways, God says, I'll heal and I'll provide with a source that you don't even know about today. They had no clue there were 12 wells waiting for them. They had no clue about 70 palm trees. You might have no clue about what God has next for you. But if you'll walk in his ways and choose to let him be the center of your greatest bitterness, put the cross right down into the greatest place of pain and confusion, you will see healing. Don't ever discount what God is doing. And don't tell me that he can't heal because he will keep his word. Amen? Amen. Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your power. I thank you that we have not come upon situations in our life that have blindsided you. We've not arrived in a moment that is without your knowledge and your power and your strength. And even the places in our own life where we have, or we are bitter, we are in dis-ease right now. You long to show yourself strong and to heal in those places, to do something fresh, to heal what's been broken and bitter, but to make new and show us something about yourself that we've never seen before and cause us to come to places that we've never been before, where there's greater supply and greater rest and greater peace, where we can camp out in you. Father, I pray that would be true of us today. May there be nothing we hold back from you. May there be no part of our life where we refuse to allow you to be the one who heals. May we allow the cross to fall right into our places of pain. God, you've promised you'll heal when we do. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. The Lord is healing today, amen. Let's give him a round of praise for what he is doing in our life, amen. Amen, you may be seated. As we finish our service today, we, um, I think we get to see the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle is when God changes a heart, when he resurrects what has been dead and makes new, amen? That's the greatest miracle. That's what we pray for. So I wanna introduce to you a young man this morning, Jeremy Bristow and his wife, Maria. If he'll come stand with me this morning. They've been around Vertical for a little while and uh, we're grateful I've known Jeremy since he was real, real little. And um, I saw Jeremy baptized when he was 
real, real little, yeah? But Jeremy uh, talked to me a couple weeks ago and said, you know, life's different today as a grown adult and there's new struggles and pressures, challenges, and, and they've faced some issues as a family. They're seeking God's direction, God's will. And Jeremy said, I wanna make sure that I'm all in with the Lord. I want everything to be done under his guidance. I wanna walk diligently in his ways. So uh, Jeremy, I think I probably just told your whole story, but I'm gonna give you the mic and ask if there's anything you wanna add to what, why you're here today. Bible story in the book, um, but to truly know his will for me and, and what he's calling me to do was, was something completely else. Um, I joined the Marine Corps at 18 and um, I struggled a lot. I, I grew up and, and just went, walked away from God. Um, I tried to witness to people while in the Marine Corps and I think they looked at me and said, he acts no different than I do. What, what's, why do I need to be a Christian when He's doing the same same stuff I'm doing. And um, looking back, I, I struggle thinking how many people I could have affected differently if I would have just shown the love of God through me. And um, and so I, I got out and when I got out, I started to struggle with a lot of depression and anxiety. Um, I met my wife and uh, we got married and I held, I hid my depression real well. Um, nobody knew it. I, I laughed through it. and um, I got denied from jobs getting out of the Marine Corps and I got uh, denied from things that I thought was my dream to go do. And uh, I knew that the Lord was there, but when people say, hey, just trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord, every single time something goes wrong, we all know that it gets annoying to hear that and because you tend to not want to believe it. And um, we had been searching for a house for the last year and a half. And as all y'all know, the housing market's rough. And um, we probably put on about 50 offers on houses, didn't get a single one. And um, about two weeks ago, we had started to widen our search, um, offered on a couple houses in Johnson County. And um, came into church and I sat down and this was, um, yeah, two weeks ago. And, and during Brian's service, I just, I broke down. I, I had a, just a conversation with the Lord saying, hey, this is something that I'm giving everything to you, not just this house search, not this, this, this job search, but my life. Um, I don't wanna keep claiming that I'm a Christian and not living it. Um, I don't wanna keep struggling with all this stuff and, and this depression, anxiety. And um, I had searched out for different ways to, to get it fixed. and went to the VA and asked all the veterans here, no, you don't really go there for help. So um, I didn't want to search for medicine and, and healing through that. I wanted to search for healing through God. And as Brian's the last month and a half of, of the series, it's every single service has been talking directly to us. And um, so I, I broke down in the seat back there and, and just said, okay, I need to renew my my walk with you. I need to go get baptized again, and I need to 
to be the spiritual leader for my wife and, and for our future children. And, yeah. and um, that night, I got a call from uh, my real estate agent saying that, hey, what house did y'all want? And we told him, he said, well, you got it. And you also got this one too. And so we, we offered on um, three houses, got two out of the three. And now it's like, okay, now we're, where, now where do we go? Like, so we, we picked and that week we got the inspection report back and there were so many things wrong with the house. And we were like, okay, Lord, what is, what, what is going on? <laughs> here, here we go again. Here we go again. And we said, okay, we can't go back into this. We're gonna, like, we're gonna fully trust in you and not just say it, we're gonna actually believe it. And my real estate agent reached out to the seller and said, hey, are you willing to fix these things? And the seller said, sure, I'm willing to fix all of it. And, um, and we closed on Friday. And, uh, and it's not just that, but I know the depression comes and goes, anxiety comes and goes, and there's more healing to it than just having one prayer answered. Yep. Um, yep. But it's this continual walk with God that Marie and I are both gonna strive for, we're gonna grow together and, and to meet somebody like her, um, who we can be equal and yoked together and, and grow together. Um, Lord continues to work miracles. Like, like Brian said, putting that tree in the water and, and, and trusting. And that's, that's what it's been like. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yes. I told you this was the greatest miracle, the resurrection. When you resurrect the heart, then other things begin to ripple out from there. The house wasn't the real need. Jeremy said house, God said heart. Yeah, 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 you see? Yeah. And then God said, now house. Yeah. Woo. Amen. Hey, let's have some folks gather around and we're gonna pray and then Phil's gonna come and baptize Jeremy this morning. So let's pray for them first. Y'all come stand with them. Jeremy, I know you know these people are gathered around you to stand with you, to support you. I hope you see all the love, the support, the encouragement, and people who have walked where you've walked and wanna help you walk in what's ahead. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for faith, the gift that comes from you. I thank you for giving Jeremy and Maria that gift to believe you and the humility to acknowledge that. And Lord, you have kept your word one more time. If we'll trust in you with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding, but acknowledge you in all of our ways, you will direct our path. You've promised and you've kept your word one more time. So I ask your blessing upon them today. I thank you for Jeremy's desire to fully surrender his whole heart to you. Lord, I pray that the healing that has begun deep in his spirit will ripple now out into the other areas of his life where you're continuing to heal. Areas of depression, Lord, Lord, I pray you'll heal those. Areas of anxiety, Lord, I pray you'll heal those. Spirit of infirmity, you be gone from Jeremy now. All those things that rack his mind and tempt him to not believe and to turn backwards, you be gone from him so that the Spirit of Christ, the risen Christ might be resurrected in him. That full power and the Spirit of, of truth and love might be fully alive in him and seen in his marriage and seen in his family. Lord, I pray you'll just bless them now in abundant ways that they might know you are with them 
You are for them. You are working all things together for good. And I thank you for the resurrection in his heart that we now see in baptism. We bless you, Lord, and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, Jeremy, Maria, y'all make your way up here on stage. Phil is going to be waiting for you. Phil's a longtime family friend, and uh, uh, Phil has the role of elder emeritus in our church. How about that? The first of any of our elders. We are grateful for his wisdom, his love, his guidance, and I know this is special to him as well as it is for Jeremy. So, Phil, thank you very yours. much. I'd like for every young man, age 12 to age 30, to please stand. Now, stand, age 12 to age 30. There's power in what you say. Thank you very much. Thank you. Where's Mama Sita? Filming. This is Jeremy's sweet mama, Marcy. There's power in what you say, there's power in what you do, and there's power in what you think. So until we get Jeremy baptized, I want you to take that right hand and I want you to stick it out towards Jeremy. And I want you to be thinking positive thoughts for protection for him and his wife. And it'll come back to you. Brother, you've accepted Jesus as Savior, right? Yes, sir. He's your Lord and Savior, right? Yes, sir. did the work so all we have to do is be obedient he said that John baptized with water he baptizes with the spirit and then after he went to be with the Lord with God then he baptizes with the Holy Spirit and we to resemble that by water baptism with his death burial and resurrection Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.